Welcome to Reflections on Now, a podcast where we look at cultural events and things happening in our world through the lens of love. My name is Cody Jensen, and I'm joined by Matt Nelson and Rachel Sanders. And today we want to have a conversation about a Super Bowl ad campaign called He Gets Us. Um, This ad features images of people washing each other's feet. The people are diametrically opposed, different camps. A oil worker uh, washes the feet of a climate activist. A cop washes the feet of a young black man. An older woman washes the feet of a young woman outside of a abortion clinic. A priest washes, washes the feet of a young gay man. A white suburban woman washes the feet of an immigrant. And as the commercial ends, the words appear on screen, Jesus didn't teach hate, he washed feet. This ad campaign um, didn't come with any sort of call to action uh, to give to any sort of organization to join a church. It didn't have an ulterior motive um, other than to look at what Jesus would be doing in, in these situations. But the message of Jesus is controversial, and it caused controversy on both the left and the right sides. And we want to uh, talk about that today. Uh, I would love to jump into the left argument first. I find myself more in left crowds, and I just am more of a liberal-leaning person in general. So in my world, these are the criticisms that I find in my feeds. And I think we all have less to talk about on this side than we will addressing the the criticisms that came from Christians and on the right. So one of the main criticisms that is so easy and came so fast after a commercial about the love of Jesus that ultimately cost $20 million is saying, why would you spend $20 million on an ad campaign? You need to give that money to the poor or jumping on the bandwagon of tax the churches. It's an easy criticism to get into. If you look at people who have posted this ad on their social medias, the uh, a lot of the top comments are going to be, if they can spend $20 million on an ad, then we should tax the churches. If, if they can spend $20 million, you know, they need to give that money to the poor. And uh, the first thing that came to mind, and I'll let you guys speak to it if, if other things come to mind, was just John 12. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. But Judas, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And that verse just comes up whenever I hear people talk about just why would you spend $20 million on a campaign that you should give that money to the poor? Because I know, one, uh, they probably don't actually care about the poor, nor give their own money to the poor. It's just an easy criticism uh, to take. Um, what are you guys' thoughts? It's lazy. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's lazy. You can't see me rolling my eyes. Right <laughs> I, was gonna, I was literally going to say, I wish you guys could um, see Matt's facial expressions <laughs> via audio. <laughs> it, it's just one of those. It's like low-hanging fruit. And it's like always like, I know I'm supposed to d- disagree with this group of people, but I don't really know what to say. So I'm just going to come at you with this, we could have spent it elsewhere, which, I mean, you could use with everybody always. Right. I mean, and if you look inward at all, like these people looking inward, how much do you give to the poor? I mean, it's just, I don't even, 
part of me is like, is this even worth discussing? Right. Because it's so lazy. Yeah. You know? And then, you know, my personal connection, obviously, with the family that supports this, they've chosen to give off, give away more than they live off of. They support more ministries, more things that do more for kids, homeless, I mean, than anybody I've ever met in my entire life. So literally the blame on some of the most generous people on the planet. So it's, it is, to me, it's just really, really lazy argument. Like, I, I just, I need you to do better. <laughs> I mean, this doesn't answer your question, but I think, like, I just think it's so telling and just reactionary, lazy and reactionary on both sides of, like, the fact that something like this, um, nobody's happy. There's mm-hmm. not, I mean, these two people, these two sides, quote unquote, if you will, that don't disagree or don't agree on anything, agree that nobody likes this app. (laughs) Everybody is mad, all for different reasons. They're Mm -hmm. like contradicting themselves. And it's just so reactionary, which is what our culture is, and honestly celebrates like the, the tyranny of the online world demands a reaction, you know, like, Tell me your, which, you know, we could talk about this every time. Tell me your, I need to know your immediate stance. And so when you do that, everything is quick and simplistic. You know, you don't have time to like do research and dig down into the other side of what some of the people that, you know, contributed to this commercial, what they actually do with their money. You're just, you know, throwing it out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm a pastor, so... I have a certain viewpoint on this. I have no doubt that one day, you know, the way the culture is trending, the church will probably be taxed. And, you know, or your 501c3 status will be taken away if you adhere to certain beliefs or certain things that culture deems inappropriate. All that's probably headed our way. Um, the church will survive. It always has. It always will. I don't think the people who are promoting this are even close to aware of the massive hole that it would create if the church was taxed and that money that is going towards foster care and the homeless Mm -hmm. and after school programs, when all of that is now removed that the church does on a regular basis, you better be willing to step into that massive gap that's created because we will have a humanitarian crisis right here in our own country. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I was not on that uh, wavelength, uh, but that, yeah, I like that thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, other thing that I think about is just the the practicality, just ignoring the fact that the money that is spent on this, just the criticism I think itself just doesn't take into account that every single nonprofit spends money on marketing because you have to in order to do well, good. I'm feeling extra spicy today. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Go for it. This is private funds from a billionaire. So what do billionaires buy? I don't know, helicopters, yachts, things like that. But this family doesn't. They fund ministries, and they do things they think are going to have a significant impact. So when we look and we're saying, oh, this you know, nonprofit, this is private funds from a family who believes that this is going to make a difference. So this is what we're arguing, who's already giving away more than they live off of, right? That are not out there lavishly taking all these trips, even though they could. They didn't buy a $20 million yacht, even though most billionaires do. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what we're arguing right here. Right. Right, and I know most people want to trace it back to like nonprofit, but it's not. It's it's privately funded, mm-hmm. like ninety five percent of it. 
Yeah, so that gets in the conversation of the other major criticism that I see online of this campaign is whenever people post about it, especially people that were involved in the making of it, that they get blasted because the campaign was funded in large part by David Green. And then that the campaign itself, the He Gets Us campaign, was first started by the Servant Foundation, which had a lot of criticisms against it, but on the He Gets Us campaign's website, they specifically even distanced themselves from the original starters. But the criticism of David Green, and specifically because of his pro-life stance and his, I mean, what they would say is anti-LGBTQ, I don't know what, I guess he would be pro-traditional family values is what it would be said. Um, Anti-LGBTQ is much more... uh, Headliner, right? Than it is to right. really dig into what he believes about yeah. it. And I do. I mean, I do think that there is fair criticism here. That you know, th- there there is a way to go about your pro life stance and a way to go about traditional family values and things like that. That you know, I we're, this isn't what that podcast is about. But I do think there's a lot of nuance in there, and I personally would put myself in a pro-choice, not because I'm pro-abortion, but because I think that ultimately love gives us the choice. And then if we infiltrate and love spreads throughout our nation, that that leads to the choice of not giving an abortion versus the legal action of keeping people from it. You're going to, this is going to need to be another podcast if we're going to go down that road. Right. But I will, let me just echo on what you said. What would the left say about this if the organization that put on this commercial was called Hope, Tolerance, and Love for Your Brother? I mean, what would their response to this be? Would it be anywhere near what we're hearing right now? And this goes back to what we talked about in our last podcast, our first one. You can't hold truth because you have an enemy. And so if I have an enemy, right, I can only see through the lens of now like I've got to, I've got to defend myself, or I've got to defend. Would would there be criticism I towards so. this commercial if it was from a different organization or person? I would assume they would find a different criticism. Uh, would would they though? I think, or would they be like, no, this speaks to tolerance and love for people that aren't like you. I would think they would still find a criticism somewhere, just because it's so Jesus and it is. But yeah. I I think that I think the message. <laughs> of that commercial honestly speaks to a lot of what our culture and even the left value. Mm-hmm. It's just packaged in the person of Jesus. Right. And I I feel like most of the criticism is just based off where it's coming from. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, that's the, what I see is that a lot of the criticism is based on who, who funded it. And I think there's a couple things there. Uh, it's like missing the forest for the trees mm-hmm. as a part of it. Yeah. of why why cause such a scandal over where some of the money is coming from to fund the campaign. And I think a really good counterpoint to this that I read from Joe Hoover, he said, if the money for this ad comes from somebody who opposes LGBTQ rights, the ad that this person paid for is creating a culture that agitates against that very stance. So even if the money is coming from somebody who is, let's say, anti-LGBTQ, the ad itself is 
giving a message that's the opposite of that. Yeah. So why give such a hard stance to the, where the money's coming from when the ad itself isn't saying that right. so clearly? Yeah, I, yeah. I, that's what I was going to say um, before you said that was just like, isn't that the exact message of the of the commercial right. is like two people on opposite sides who believe differently, who have different values, who have different, you know, life choices or whatever, uh, washing one another's feet in the middle of those differences. Like it feels like that is the, that is the commercial. That mm-hmm. is the message. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but this is also goes back to our, it's what we do to people who we deem as enemies it's, you know, David Green is not pro, pro-life. pro He's anti-LGBTQ mm-hmm. and anything that goes along with it. And somebody who is pro-choice, uh, they're baby killers, you know. And so what we want to do is just label people the worst possible. Right. Right. Well, it's not true about who David is or what he represents. Right. right? It's just what he gets painted as because it's a whole lot easier to make your enemy look worse than they really are. And so, yeah, you know, people are like, well, this message of he gets us goes against what they've... No, it doesn't. That's that's the nuance of it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what's difficult. When you're painted as an enemy, that's all you see. But when you really get into, like, belief systems and, you know, what, what somebody believes, you realize, no, it's not, it's not contradictory. And their whole aim is to reintroduce Jesus, or really reintroduce America to Jesus, the real Jesus, because we'll get to this probably in a minute because of what a lot of people on the far conservative and religious right have created, Jesus is no longer a picture of love. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this, is let's get back to who Jesus really is. Well, if nothing else, a lot of people have been talking about Jesus <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the last you know, right. week, week and a yep. half. <laughs> yep, right. Yeah, I mean, this starting with the, the criticisms on the left, I, I in part want to start there of just just recognizing that we see it like yeah it's not that those criticisms aren't valid like we can critique with you is what i'm saying that while the criticism against david green and all of these things are just so far off of the point of the ad that you're just getting lost in these like minute details while your ship is sinking but at the same time that doesn't mean that david green is above criticism um for sure and yeah. so, yeah, I think you have a really good perspective of this. I hope that I'm able to be really objective when we talk about topics. I feel like we were when we were talking about Israel and Palestine, we were able to be objective of both sides. I feel like the arguments from both sides in this particular campaign are so incredibly weak. Yeah, I really do. It almost like laughable. You know, I think this has put its finger on something that now it's just like, we just want to be mad to be mad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, where the left gets it right, uh, hopefully I can be like, yeah, I see it, and I understand. I think we did that even in our last podcast. This one, um, I'm going to be a butt to both sides because I really feel like it's <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, to be honest with you, yeah. the The last kind of um, left criticism that I've seen on the campaign is that it's it's whitewashed and kind of has a white savior complex to it because everybody who's washing the feet are white. And a lot of people in their articles have been kind of quoting that the Americans United for separation of church and state are kind of claiming that the ad is a front for Christian nationalism. And 
this all could be manufactured outrage because it could be just one group who published something and then all of a sudden all the other outlets want, you know, some sensationalism. So then they, you know, just spread it and nobody's actually thinking about this. But I thought I'd just bring it up um, in general, ultimately because I think that to say that, th- that this is a front for Christian nationalism is just so laughable mm-hmm. because that gets into the criticisms of the people on the right. And the Christian nationalists hate this ad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Christians <Yeah>. are furious. <laughs> yeah. Unless but what we... about theology? <laughs> Has there ever been a commercial in the history of the world that is more theologically discussed than this? I mean, we've never oh, do man. this with a 60-second commercial mm-hmm. in our lives. Mm-hmm. Here we are. One of the criticisms, um, and I don't know on you know what side this person would lean, um, that I thought, yeah, that's, that is true. I know that to be true was... Um, they were talking about being in a bar when it came on and how it just went quiet in in the bar and everyone watched it. And their main thing was if all of these people that we want that are, you know, seen in the commercial actually showed up to the church, it wouldn't turn out like that looked <laughs> on the commercial. And I thought, hmm, that is probably true. Right. Yeah. Because this is what I would say too, in light of that, with it being a whitewashed ad, is I would say that this ad is for white people. Like I would say it's not, this ad isn't for the the unchurched, in my opinion. This ad is for the Christians who don't live up to Christian standards. That was my major critique of this. If I had to really critique the overall commercial is most people in the world don't know what foot washing even means. I mean, that's like a Christian thing, mm-hmm. right? And so if we're trying to reintroduce America to Jesus, we probably need to use examples that they would understand, not this, you know, I, some people can make that connection, but mm-hmm. most people probably wouldn't. So really, I almost think that it spoke more to Christians yeah. than yeah. it did to the lost, which is why you get this response and <laughs> reaction. Yeah. Which yeah. is why all the Christians are mad. Like yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, you, Matt, you mentioned it earlier, but I think it would be uh, probably important to actually address your connection to the ad um, explicitly. Oh well, that's going to make this. You know, me, I no longer have a voice on this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I did get to see the the ads early. Uh, my dad's on the board that helps this whole he gets us campaign move forward. He just joined that, and so he's he's kind of new to that, but. Um, so we got to see them early, so I had time to even think about it and kind of process it before. And I was really curious because we were at a Super Bowl party with a lot of people, and I told them it was coming in the first quarter, and I wanted to see kind of everybody's response and reaction to what it was like. So When you watched it for the first time before it came out, did you foresee everyone being mad, both sides being mad? What did you think? I actually, the first time I saw it, I was shocked knowing the people that it came from, that they chose to be that open with the message from a pretty conservative group, mm-hmm. right? That that's a bold message. And, you know, I, I still believe if you really, really want to tick off uh, overly conservative religious right people, show a 60-second commercial where the love of God gets a little bit crazy yeah. and a little bit out of hand, mm-hmm. and you will set off a firestorm, yeah. right? And if we wanted to get into all the reasons why, we can. But, we do. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> literally... When the love of God goes beyond our boundaries that we've created in our little boxes, this this is what you get. Yeah. And I'm not surprised because so much of Christianity in America has trended that way. This is not everybody who's responding this way. This, this is, and I, I don't want to paint it that way, but it's it's a growing group. 
It is a large number. It is a, a, a loud um, reaction from, uh, you know, the Christian world or however you want to put it. Obviously, there's so many different, you know, groups, denominations, people uh, represented there. But I think the knee-jerk reaction of church people, like I said, what about theology, is we need to um, qualify what's happening. We need to explain and make sure that everybody understands, yes, but, you know, like one of the things that I saw was like, um, he doesn't just get us, he saves and redeems and, you know, uh, transforms all that, all that is true. I mean, I'm not saying that what they're saying isn't true, um, but just we just get so uncomfortable with the scandalous love of God yep. and the scandalous nature of really who Jesus was. And our reaction is so much like all the people that Jesus ticked off whenever he was walking on this earth. It's uncanny. <laughs> yes, it's, it's wild. It's uncannily so like, similar. So and that was that's one of the things that I just so love about Jesus and the life of Jesus is that he was just so confident and comfortable with not explaining himself, with not having to, you know, qualify all of the things that are happening. Um, just comfortable with people being mad, comfortable with people walking away and just not explaining it. Yeah. And yep. I, I had sent out a text in our like family text and, you know, something similar to what I said a minute ago. If you want to, you know, tick off the religious right, show a six second commercial where the love of God gets out of hand and uh, you know, my dad had responded and he said, you know, pretty much from the left, it's been quiet. We don't, you know, we expect there to be certain things there. He said, it's been from the far right that has been shocking. The attacks on the Green family, the accusations of blasphemy, selling out to the woke, compromise, all of these things that he kind of listed. But then he sent me an article uh, from the New York Times. And he's like, it's weird whenever you get a, you know, a good response from somewhere you don't expect it to. I read this article. Uh, from David French, he's a columnist at the New York Times. The last line of this article, he says, the Super Bowl ad did something different and more provocative. Instead of telling our nation he gets us, it essentially asks American Christians, do we get him? Nice. Yeah, there was... Nothing uh, else needs to be said. It, <laughs> there was, there uh, was an article that I read that ended very similar that, similarly. That he said, maybe the real message of this ad should not be that God gets us, but that we don't get God. Hmm. I, I think uh, there's so many different, you know, things that we could talk about here. I, as I as I just analyze it myself, and, and I'd love to get your guys' input on this as well. Is just when you take a stance, when when the church or Christians take a stance of we, we've got to be cultural warriors, we've got to defend the gospel, we've got to defend God, we've got to defend American Christian values, all these things. You you, you take a stand in that. We have to let people know what it is we stand for, what it is we believe. And this comes down to, you know, my son's gay. What am I supposed to do? To Jesus is accepting people who are living in rebellion in this commercial and sin. And how can we let that be a, you know, it's like we, we have to defend God. Right. Right. But here's the thing about Jesus I mean, foot washing is not an endorsement. It's not an affirmation of sin. I don't think Jesus walked into a dinner party with sinners and he's like, hey, I just want everybody to know where, where I stand on this before I come eat with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about it. Like if you're in a marriage and 
you feel like in a conversation, all you have to do is defend yourself. You don't ever get to love and intimacy and conversation. Like defense just makes you put your guard up. And that's where we've come with. Like we, we feel like we have to defend um, who Jesus is. The thing that's most scandalous, I think, about what Jesus did is he did not care what anybody thought of him. Mm-hmm. He walked into places and he did not care what the religious and everybody else thought about who he was with, who he ate with, and who he fellowshiped with. Mm-hmm. Right? That is not the picture we see of Christianity right now in America. Everything is a war. It's so like the re- that's I think that's why the reaction is so strong. You're right because we feel like we have this like responsibility um, to defend and to explain and to make sure that we're fighting against. I mean, you said a trigger word earlier. Like if anything is woke, if, then if, if I hear that woke term <laughs> I one mean, more time from religious right, it's infuriating. Oh. It really is. But it's like alarm bells. Everybody who is anti woke rise up and go to war because these people, these woke people, whatever that is or whatever that looks like or whoever those people are, we don't know them. We don't have them around our dinner tables. We don't understand them at all. But we are at war with them. And it's just like, okay, this is, this is time. We must, we must do all that we can do because we're, we're in battle. Um, And that causes what we see that causes the reaction that causes uh, inability to hold two things at the same time, inability to have a conversation because we are against each other and or to just love people. Right. You can't love somebody no. you're in opposition to. Right. And so it has to like, our love has to come with conditions and it's mm-hmm. got to come with, you know, conditional statements and all of these things. And I mean, that's just, that's the stance that so many in America, and this is, again, going back to what we've been discipled by politics in our country and in the yeah. church today, and politics has taught us, right, that to remain in power, you have to kind of destroy everybody else who's a threat to your power, mm-hmm. and anybody around you who doesn't believe what you believe. Well, here we are. And I think so many, I mean, we're in this, you know, uh, series at the church, the crowds. I honestly think that there's so many, like the in an experiment, if you will, of like, I'd go a couple, grab a couple people out of this, you know, um, conservative crowd and like define what it means to be woke. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would bet <laughs> that first of all, there's not one definition, there's a ton and that they would really stumble over what it even means other than knowing that it's not what we believe. Yeah. It's the opposite of whatever, to be able to really articulate what it even is that you are so, so, so against. Do we even want to talk about like what foot washing even means? I mean, is that even relevant to this? I mean, I think it is because I think so much of the criticism has been that Jesus wouldn't actually be washing their feet and uh, he would be calling them to repentance before he would wash their feet and, uh, you know, all sorts of criticism. Let me stop real quick. Have I been an equal jerk to both sides today? Because I want to make sure that I I get there if I haven't. Because, I mean, this is... Uh, some of it's like, we are having this conversation, so let's just have this conversation, as stupid as it is. Foot washing, feet washing is not a, it's not a theological statement. It's not like, it's not an act of affirmation. Jesus washed Peter's feet, who did stupid things. He washed Judas' feet, who was about to sell him. I mean, in the first century, you walked around in sandals, you had poop on your feet, you had dirty feet, all these kind of things. You would walk into a house and the lowest possible person, like the slave, anybody, they would be the one who washes feet. So what's scandalous is that Jesus does it. 
today we look at it and we're like, oh, it's servant leadership. And I think there's part of that, but part of like foot washing is, this is why Peter responds so in such a crazy way to Jesus when he does this. He's like, no, you're not going to humiliate yourself mm-hmm. and wash each other's feet. Mm-hmm. Like that, I'm not going to allow that. Like that's the most humiliating thing you can do. Today we look and we're like, oh, you know, that's a great thing. It wasn't seen as a great thing. Jesus not making a statement. He's like, this is him saying the first will be last and the last will be first. Are we called to, to enter in and to love and to humble ourselves before others in order to lift them up? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that, that's what, Absolutely. I mean, so that, so the statement that Jesus wouldn't wash those people's feet, that's absolutely theologically and biblically idiotic. Mm-hmm. If you are on a side and you believe that you're on the correct side of, of love or Christ and that these people that are immigrants or gay or um, whatever else the, the ad has in it are somehow on a different side than you and that you need to change them, the only way that you would actually be able to do that is to humble yourself and yeah. to truly love them. I agree. That's why these whole culture wars that we're involved right now, it makes us stupid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It makes us believe and say things that are just idiotic because they're not processed. You're not Mm -hmm. able to see Mm -hmm. truth in it. You're just, there's somebody I really dislike. And so I've got to make a really quick judgment on something that I don't even, you know. Yeah. And I I mean, it's great that Lent started and I got off social media because the amount of people that I had to watch (laughs) in, in the religious right respond to this with Jesus wouldn't wash their feet, Jesus would call them to repentance, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because it's not, I mean, I guess they skip over like it's the kindness and the love of God that draws us, you know. Was there moments that Jesus called out and called? Absolutely. Yeah. It was usually after they've heard the message, right, of mm-hmm. the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and he's drawing them in. And so, again, I just... And usually the religious. For sure. Yeah. Right. One of the articles that I read, a New York Times article quoted a Anglican uh, priest and um, the priest said the time between an event and our response to it is where wisdom grows. If this is true, then the way of wisdom and the path to success as an online influencer point in nearly opposite directions. Wisdom requires slowness, stillness, focus, patience, and withdrawal from some of the heated demands and controversies of the moment. Online influence often requires one to speak out on each new topic as loudly, quickly, and simplistically as possible. Mm. And I was just like, man, that is so, so true. You know, like, we have to just say what we're going to say, which uh, removes that time for wisdom, that time to um, think before I speak. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, major yeah. reactions. We are quick to speak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I almost like respond to my brothers and sisters in Christ who do have like leanings to the right, and, and you know ha- have a tendency to you know see this for Jesus should have would have said more. He wouldn't wash their feet and things of that nature. And you know, part of me thinks like, how do we evaluate? You know, who who's in and who's not? Who loves God? Is it the person who gets up and can? theologically orate the perfect, you know, description of who God is from a theological perspective and knows all the truth? Or is it the poet or painter who gets up in his mess and uncertainty and draws a picture of, you know, the father embracing the son? 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we remove mystery, we remove all of this, you know, uncertainty around Jesus because we just we want everything to be clean and we want it to yeah. be nice, but it removes relationship, depth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we need mystery in our lives. We yeah. need that. You know, yeah. it's it it doesn't have to be perfect or clean to be of God. It just doesn't how it works, you yes. know. And I know this is a bigger conversation, but yeah. it just it's one of those conversations like I I actually my heart goes out to those who who have that right leaning and they miss the beauty behind stuff. Yeah. Like even the beauty behind that commercial, it's like you can miss it all because you're like, no, Jesus would have you know, you missed it. Yeah. Like you missed it. Right. Like there's a beauty in that. Yeah. There there's also just a real just sadness to me of of how you've been caught up in a political movement that is co-opted your religion and then now you have all of these opinions that have been given to you in simplistic manners because it's easier to understand and you see the immigrant showing up and it's his feet her feet being washed and but your political stance is so against immigration that you can't actually see the love of Christ there because you've been so co-opted by a political group yeah. that you just see a threat mm-hmm. you see a threat yeah It seems to me that the motivation is wanting to be chosen, wanting to be exclusionary, wanting to be special. And I have done the right things, or I know what it means to be Christian, or I know what it takes to get to heaven. And because of that, I'm now in this special group, and those people are not in my special group. And they can't just walk in here and receive the free love and grace of Christ because I had to work for it whenever in in their theology, they had to work for it. And that means that everybody else has to work for it and strive and and come to some sort of right living in order to earn the uh, response of Christ. And the ad is just saying, I mean, there is nothing you can do to earn it, and Christ is seeking you out to give it. Yeah. I mean, I maybe this is, I don't know, bold going too far. I would even go far as say if your initial response to watching that 60 seconds is immediately negative and critical, that's telling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like if all of the beauty of God loving and bringing people together who have nothing else in common, like if, 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 that, if that's lost on you, something could be deeply broken. Yeah. Understanding what's going on in my heart if I can't just right. take something like that in, like you said, I, I've lost awe and wonder and being able to... Scandal y- yeah, of Jesus. Yes, because we, all that you just said about like, I, I've earned this and I, I agree with you, but they wouldn't, I don't think anyone would say that. We say it with how we respond for whenever we see it actually happening. Mm-hmm. So like, oh yes, um, you know, uh, the prodigal son is welcomed back. But when it's your, you know, brother that was gone, I, but I've been here this whole time. And so this person's coming back in and I've been faithful. I've done all the right things. Like that comes out in the way that we respond when we actually see it. And it makes us uncomfortable because those particular people press on something in my particular life that it can't, it can't be true for them because of all these different reasons. Yeah, it's true. One of the things that, I mean, I don't 
have an answer to this. I'll put it out there. One of the things that I think that I saw that had a reaction was this, the simple like phrase, he gets us and wanting to, like I said, add so much more that the simple, that simple line, um, triggered a lot of people for whatever reason. Did you guys see that? Yeah. What I remember, is your response? I remember seeing that as well. I think I've tuned all of this out. Yeah, <laughs> I know. For me, I was like, I was honestly just surprised at the like backlash. Like, cause I, I looked up, I didn't watch the Super Bowl, but I heard about that. So I just looked it up and I watched it. And like, I, because of my natural cynicism, uh, being towards the other side, I was just expecting a really bad ad, <laughs> mm-hmm. just because it's a Christian ad. So I was like, okay, I, what am I for here? That's what I was expecting. Yeah, I, 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 same, same. Something really cheesy. Yes, I yes. thought when I watched it, I thought yeah. it's really beautiful mm-hmm. and it is uh, captivating. And I was in a living room, um, but I it was a very similar reaction to the story that I read about the bar. Like everybody just went quiet because it was uh, a captivating ad no matter what it was, you know, showing, it was very captivating, which a lot of times things that are um, talking about Jesus are like, oh man, that's so cheesy. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. And so I was like, this is, this is good art is what mm-hmm. I was thinking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I came to too, is like being, being an artist and a creative during it and watching it, I was like, wow, this is like really well creative directed. Like this mm-hmm. was well done. And like they brought on the right people to create something that is actually art. And, yeah. you know, you can, you know, you can always criticize stylistic choices, but it's like at the end of the day, it was truly beautiful and stylistically done well and so simple. And it just like baffled me afterward, like just the immediate backlash on, from both sides to something to me that just seemed just so simple and beautiful of the love of Christ. He gets us quit being so divided, quit being wrapped up in all the political hatred that these people are trying to make money off of you. Quit seeing that and just see the simple nature of the humanity of it. And like, I don't know. That's asking too much. It is so incredibly sad to me that it is asking too much, yep. that we cannot see across the political aisle and that the scandalous nature of Christ remains scandalous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you, you know, you have to be careful because everybody always thinks that they're the in group. I mean, it is. And so you have to walk humbly. But I think, you know, we have to look and say the church over the last however many years we want to say it has actually gotten farther and farther away that from the actual teachings of Jesus. And we've been influenced by culture, politics, our own way of thinking, leaders, pastors, and teachers who have their own agendas, right? So what happens to a church when the words and the life of Jesus get farther, farther away, they're blurred, you know, I feel like that's what we're dealing with in a church right now. That is that, 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 that sector, that part of that church that's gone really far to the right. It's like, they've lost their story. They really have lost their story about what it means to be in the world, integrated with the world as kingdom people. We are not called to stand with our armor against the culture that we're called to reach. You know, I mean, that's, and so in when you when the teachings of Jesus become farther and farther into the background and the periphery of our lives, this is what we get. Yeah. You know, and I say that with great humility, not that I've got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. 
But it's like, as a pastor, my job is to continue to contend for the gospel and to try to bring the clearest picture of who Jesus is before me and our church every day. Yeah. And if we wrestle with that every single day and we come to the table and we recenter our life around the gospel, I think it's hard to get distracted. Which I think leads to a question of if we are a people who are centered around the gospel, can these people depicted in this ad actually show up to our church and receive the love that this ad is portraying, that they can show up to the grace of us washing their feet? Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing that, in church terms, uh, grieved my spirit. <laughs> you know, nice. uh, while watching the reaction, and I, I specifically mentioned, you know, one of uh, the reactions being that, like, um, if these people were to walk into these church doors, how would they be received? And the reaction from so much of the church just shows that they wouldn't be, that they would not be welcomed in and really loved in the way that Jesus loved. And as a pastor, as someone who, I mean, I know my, you know, life calling, if you will, is to the church and I love her and want the best for her. But that, I know that to be true. I mean, I know that that and I know that that keeps a lot of people from coming in, and, and it really does make me really sad. Yeah, it is. It it's sad that it is harder to find a church that you can walk in as somebody who is an outsider, quote quote unquote, and feel loved, received, and known. Yeah, you know, without caveat exception. Yeah, in that the. It feels as though, I mean, I, I can't, I don't go around to every church in this nation, but mm -hmm. it just seems as though there are fewer churches that embody what this ad is saying than, you know, are actually actively preaching the opposite. And I, I mean, I'm born and raised in church. And so I understand the reaction because there are times um, that, that rises up in me of feeling uncomfortable with things or feeling like, oh, I probably should give a little bit of theology here. I probably should make sure that everybody understands. I feel that inside of me. I understand that. And I obviously, I mean, I preach, teach. So I have a high view of theology and uh, people understanding scripture and who Jesus is really and all of that. And so I understand that reaction. But my challenge would be to like, to examine what's actually going on, what is actually rising up in me. Is it, you know, a high view of scripture or is it pride or the idol of being certain about things um, and really pausing and asking Holy Spirit, give me wisdom here. Reveal those things in my heart. Um, reveal that older brother in the prodigal son story inside of me and, and that be my first reaction is examining is self examination before I'm kind of put anything else on someone else. Yeah. I think just that we somehow have to withhold our love from certain people. I feel like so many of the church feel like I can't fully love you unconditionally because there's something in you or a lifestyle that I disagree with. And so 
really, I'm doing the work of God by withholding full acceptance. I mean, think about this, right? Theologically, think about it practically, logically. Like, I'm not going to give you my full love, because if I do, then somehow you'll interpret it as license, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so we, we, we do. It's You walk into a room, and it's like, yeah, I, I really want to love you, but I need you to know need you yeah. to know where I stand. You know, I mean, I, I could sit here and I feel like put a really good theological argument about the sanctity of human life and why that I want to fight for an unborn fetus. At the same time, if a woman ever walked into my house or to our church and she was like, I'm, I'm you know, here I am going through all of this because of an abortion, what's my response in that moment? It is to love that woman right? Surround her, right? Healing, you know, all of the things that you do to unconditionally, and we all have our things. And so, you know, fill in the blank with whatever would be most Mm -hmm. difficult for you to do. And that's, I I just, I want to look at Christians and be like, you can unconditionally, I want to look at parents, you can unconditionally love your LGBTQ kid, right? You don't have to tell them every time you see them (laughs) or every time they walk into the door that what they're doing is wrong to see God transform and to heal and do all the work, you know, I think that would be liberating for a lot of people if they would let go of that. Right. <laughs> yeah. It would allow um, a lot of people to just live their life because you spend so much time and energy fighting in your own head, the people who are around you. Um, but then on the other side of just like to actually love somebody without judging them it, at any time, to like be somebody's genuine friend and confidant with no judgment and never passing judgment on any choice that they make. There are theological things we can get into of Christian brothers and sisters, but they're, if we're just out in the world and we have people in our lives and they live their lives and we love them unconditionally and do not judge them and we, and not just pretend not to not judge them, if you actively are not judging them, it is felt and it is seen by them, which then transforms them from the inside. And I have so many people in my life that would not be accepted in most churches, but I get the privilege of hearing them speak life into me of how much love they feel for me. And when they see me, it is a Cody because they are so excited to have somebody in their life who is just there and just not judging them for anything that they're doing. It's just being there as fellow humans and the life change and transformation that can happen whenever you let go and let God, um, (laughs) as cringy as I hate that I said that, but (laughs) you know, it ultimately there is, uh, you know, truth behind a simplistic phrase of just letting go and letting these relationships happen and not feeling that you have to be the one to transform them because that's not what you're called to do. You're called to love. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag he gets us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up here and I will, uh, pray us out. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.